Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Theatre Streams podcast brought to you by Radio Alty and Community Media. I'm Tom Joy, the host of the Soundtracks to Sport 12 to 1 every Saturday on Radio Alty. I'm joined by Rob Maxwell, the host of the Lately Lunch Show, Monday, Tuesday, Friday, every week on Radio Alty. Um, two till four for you, Rod, isn't it? Two to four, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, Late Late Lunch Show. Yes, indeed. So I think we've only got to kick it off and start with the results. It's that time of year where that 1963 Boxing Day gets rampled on social media with all the scores. But there's a few shock results this week, wasn't there? So we'll start off on uh, we'll start off on Christmas Eve, shall we? And there was only one game, a bit of a weird one on Christmas Eve. It was a one o'clock kickoff. Uh, Wolves versus Chelsea. Wolves two, Chelsea one. Another lackluster performance from Chelsea. Um, they've got the most losses of, of any Premier League team uh, in 2023. They'd be bottom of the table. Um, they've had a really weird time since Tom Bowley took over, but we're moving to Boxing Day now. Obviously, no Chris, no date, good date, no games on Christmas Day, is there? Um, into Boxing Day, it was Newcastle United one, Nottingham Forest three. Nuno Espirito Santo at the helm for his only second game in charge in that one, um, and Chris Wood with a hat trick. It was, it was a very weird one because Newcastle went one 0 up for an Alexander Isak penalty. And you're thinking Newcastle at home, you'd, you'd expect them to run away with it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Anthony Alenga was absolutely brilliant in this game. Um, and so was Chris Wood. I mean, three goals for him. There's not more you can expect. Don't know how he didn't get a 10, a 10 rate and only got a 9.7. But uh, there's not much more he could have done. Uh, Bournemouth three, Fulham nil. Bournemouth. Uh, Iriola was in the stands after getting another yellow card um, this season. But 3 0 for Bournemouth. And they were just unreal. I mean, Fulham definitely missed Ralph Jimenez up front. I mean, They've missed that focal point of not having probably Mitrovic up front as they usually would. But um, no, Bournemouth, unbelievable. Sinister in particular in the 93rd minute when he came on. Um, David Brooks coming on as well was unbelievable. And then um, Alex Scott in midfield, they brought from, I think it was Bristol City in the summer. He was in the Championship last season. He was, again, brilliant once he in the game. Um, Sheffield United 2, Luton 3, a bit of a, bit of a scrap at the bottom of the table, this one. Uh, Luton Town, obviously, still on probably an emotional low from the disastrous um, event of Tom Lockyer collapsing two yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. But Luton Town, three goals for them. Um, there's something about Luton, I think, in particular, where they've, they've been in every game this season. Every game they've lost, it's only been by the odd goal. Yeah, I mean, United at home, when we played them, uh, we, we won 1-0, and we probably didn't deserve to win 1-0. They've had quite a few games, obviously, City, they lost 2-1. Uh, Arsenal right at the death in 4-3, so... They're still in it, uh, obviously, at the bottom of the table. They're one point off the going out of the relegation. Yeah, just, I was just looking there, two own goals from Sheffield United. Yeah, it was, it was a poor defensive be play. Turns. All right. I think everybody expected when Chris Wilder came in at Sheffield United to sort of roughen them up a bit defensively. And they looked all right in their first game, but um, this is one of those games where Sheffield United will be looking back on at the end of the season if they do go down and they think that's three points at home you should be getting. Um, just a quick one here. Salford City won, Tranmere Rovers 5. And Neil Wood has been sacked from Salford City by the class of 92 as owners after a devastating 5-1 loss at the Penisula Stadium. Uh-huh. Um, they've been really struggling in League 2 this year. I think, um, obviously, they had, I think it was something like six promotions in eight years or something in Salford. And I think it looks as if they've stagnated at the end of... Um, sort of in League 2 and mid-table. They had a good playoff push last year, but it's really not worked this season for them. They're sitting sort of lower mid-table in League 2, and it's not looked good. He, he's um, been with them a few years now, though, wasn't he? He was the under-21s the under coach, or under-23s coach from Man United, uh, Neil Wood, and that's why they brought him in. But I saw news this morning saying he has apparently been sacked 
or, right. or left the club. So whether they want to put that to, down to mutual consent or not, I do not know. Um, Altrincham one, Halifax two. Uh, this was a disappointing game, wasn't it? Con Clark in the last minute getting one, and you think there's is there enough time. It's one of those games where we've played Halifax, I think, three times in the last month. We've got them again in two weeks, I believe. So, um, I mean, it'd be better having a really good season. I mean, we, we did well to get a draw against Bromley. Ten men against ten men. Um, Elliot Osborne, uh, unlucky to be sent off in that one. I think picking up two yellow cards. But it's one of those, again, if we miss out on the playoffs, you're thinking, is that three points we could have took? Uh, but that's the Prem now. And we've got on Boxing Day, there was... Two more games, and it was Burnley nil, Liverpool two. It could have probably been Liverpool four or five. They had two goals, I believe, disallowed one for Cody Gakpo. Salah hit the bar. There was one good thing in this game I saw where Liverpool had a chance, and uh, the Burnley defender uh, pushed Mo Salah into an offside position, so the goal got disallowed, or the chance would have been offside. Uh, a bit of a way, but obviously Liverpool top of the league for about the next twenty-four hours to Arsenal play. Um, oh, his title race is looking very tasty this year. Really tasty, and probably the one everyone's expecting us to speak about, and that's Manchester United three, Aston Villa two. Rod, we were both at the game. Uh, you wanted to quickly look onto the atmosphere first. We've seen um Klopp moaning about the the atmosphere, the atmosphere at Anfield, and one thing I did want to touch on is, are the top six clubs becoming sort of tourist attractions? Do you think? Uh, well, I, 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 funny enough, Boxing Day. And I, I, there was a lot of people that I think probably were there for the first time or don't often come. I saw a lot of the regular seats were, weren't filled. Um, it, it was actually weird going to the game because I didn't feel like it was a, a, a Boxing Day game. When you think that everybody's had all day to be off, all day to be in the pub, and, and it was a weird atmosphere. It was a bit of a weird one because... Um... Aston Villa, you're thinking they're having a really good season. I mean, I went to obviously a previous guest on the podcast, Don Wafey. I went with him to the game. Uh, shout out to Adam Fallon Smith who got us the tickets. But um, we sat around a couple of the couple of the lads. He used like shout out to Howard. He was a really nice guy. We sat with, um, chatted with some of the regulars there. But and no one, nobody was confident at all. We were all thinking we could get turned over here. And I think it was about half an hour in. We're two 0 down, and you're thinking. It's not going to look any good. Uh, McGinn with the first goal and a sort of bit of lack of communication and lack of awareness of a free kick, and it just went straight into the back of the net. We just didn't. We didn't start with any conviction, and and they they only really had those two chances, and they got the yeah. goals. And I, I I'll be honest, um, Tom, and I was sitting there and I was thinking, you know what? I just might go home. I'm fed up with this. I'm fed up with the lack of passion. I'm fed up with the lack of commitment. Why should I bother? And then, of course, it's football, isn't it? And you think, ah, yeah, you got to stay. But there yeah. was for that moment. And, and again, I have to say, I don't want to pick on one player, but um, Rashford's body language was driving me mad. I think something we need to highlight there is in the first half, there's Diego Delo's got the ball on the left hand side. Obviously, he started at left back with Luke Shaw being out. Uh, for a minor in, uh, issue, apparently. Maybe he's just got a bit too much to eat on Boxing Day, you don't know. But um, Delo's got the ball on the left-hand side, and he, he goes, and Rashford's made a brilliant run, to be fair to Rashford. He's made a brilliant run going inside. Uh, he is onside, and Rashford doesn't get the ball, and he just stands there with his arms up, looks at the crowd and goes, why is he not passed to me? And in my head, I went, I mean, not even in my head, I shouted out and went ballistic. I went, Rashford, get back. Yeah. Like, it, it, I think it was... Um, Leon Bailey gets the ball on the, the right side. Delo wins it back off him after losing the ball. Um, but you're thinking, Rashford get back. Rashford does get back eventually, wins the ball back. But you're thinking, certain chances in the game is body language. But I do believe Rashford on the left-hand side last night with Garnacho on the right works pretty well. 
Um, but quickly before we finished on the first half, then Donka got their second goal. Again, a lack of awareness from a set piece. And in the game, um, two shots on target and two goals for Aston Villa. And yeah. actually, I mean, you were saying to me, and I hadn't realised, Villa had two key players out. But I, I was sitting there in the first half thinking, they haven't been even that good. They haven't needed to be that good. And we've just given them two free goals from two set pieces. And there weren't that many set pieces in the first half anyway. And and it was a lack of a lack of communication, a lack of leadership, a lack of uh, organisation on our part because players were just left unmarked in the box uh, from free kicks. It was madness. Yeah, I, think, I think one thing you need to highlight, if you look at the stats of this game, is United had six counter-attacks. Five of those coming in the second half. It shows that we were on the front foot. I need to highlight Kobe Maynard again. He was unbelievable last night. I think finally Ten Hag's realised having McTominay not in the starting eleven brings so much more balance in the midfield. Having Ericsson, yep. who's able to just keep control of the ball. I think having Ericsson back in midfield. I know uh, in the big games, sort of away from home, it's not good having Ericsson and Kobe. Kobe's a little bit more isolated. But home, when you think you're going to have more of the ball, you expect something else to be going on there. And we eventually you come out in the second half and at halftime I'm thinking if we get one early yeah. you're thinking oh something could happen and then you get one and it's ruled out and then you th- and then as soon as that that guy actually chances ruled out which I will say was a brilliant move uh, from the bottom left corner McTominay um, not sorry not McTominay Ericsson gets the ball with a uh, combining with the low and Rashford and then uh, back to Hoyland, back to Bruno through to Rashford across to Garnacho goes round the keeper and as soon as he went round the keeper I thought he's fluffed it. Uh, he finishes it, give it offside by the most minute detail. But the body language of the stadium was thinking, and you could sense the frustration. You can sense oh, that, was, oh. that was the chance. You could sense that there was nothing going to come from that. And then, of course, um, football being football, as you said, uh, Garnacho goes and gets one in the 59th minute, goes and gets another in the uh, 71st minute. And then Hoyland, finally, with his first goal for the club, it shows what you do when the lad gets chances. I think we need to forget he's twenty. We need to remember. Sorry, we, he's twenty he's years old. Years. But, but the, you know, the, the the fact is, I mean, the match belonged to Garno, right? I mean, un- unbelievable performance coming in on the right. The balance when we were walking to the to the to the stadium last night, um, we were saying this is a good, this is an okay team. You know, it looks yeah. balanced. I mean, I, I mean, I think the team news came off as I got off the the, the Met towards the stadium. I ran into um, obviously Dan Burton, who's obviously another host on Radio Alt, and he he wasn't confident. But when we saw the lineup, we all agreed that there's more balance in the team. We saw that uh, Hoyland obviously getting his chance, getting his goal, yeah. brilliant. Um, Patrice Evra, obviously on the Amazon commentary, he called commentary. it didn't he at halftime. So he, he said at half-time that if Man United focus on the set pieces and can't continue creating chances like we had, uh, that they could go on and win the game 3-2. And what I, happens? I, 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 well, I I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I, th- I think the problem is I've given up a little bit on this team because I feel like there isn't enough bottle. The, the, I, I, you know, I don't feel sometimes like they fight for each other enough. I think there's not enough communication in, in the team as well. There's not enough of that get stuck in type thing. But but last night when we started on the front foot and, and just... Garno just playing and, and and the interpassing was better. But you sort of wonder what the heck had to change at half time for them to come out in a more positive way and take the and game. It was, to the it was, and it's weird because it was the same team that came out in the second yeah. half. There was no changes. I think no. the changes that he made were brilliant changes as well. They were at the right time. I think bringing Anthony on uh, and bringing Rashford off was a good, good move because Rashford, we know. Um, he's brilliant on the counter attack, but he was getting very frustrated, and it looked like 
him and Bruno were getting very agitated with the referee in particular. Uh, and Rashford obviously went down to a heavy challenge to Emmy Martinez. Uh, Anthony came on and then Scott McTominay came on in midfield. And in my head, I'm thinking, right, so Scott McTominay is going to come on. He's going to try and play as a number nine that he's not. We're going to get isolated in midfield and run over on the counter-attack. That's what my initial thought was. He he sat back as a double six in a double pivot with Kobe Mainu and looked all right, I think, for the last 20 minutes. And then obviously bringing Willie Quambala on off the bench, another youngster from the academy. Uh, I think there was nine academy goals. Was it Gore came on, 44, and Medgebury as well came on? Yeah, so, that, that, so nine academy products involved in the game yesterday. Uh, brilliant. Um, he was, Kwambala was good when he came on, made a really important tackle. Uh, McTominay again, all right, in aerially in the box. I think we missed, uh, we're missing some aerial sort of prevalence with Casemiro out, Maguire out. You're thinking, are we going to get done on set pieces, which we did. But overall, 3-2. I'm as happy as 11. We're only six oh. points. Sorry, sorry. Only three points behind Manchester City. Who? Who played tonight? So we'll move into the Premier League fixtures tonight. Uh, half seven, uh, Brentford versus Wolves. Uh, another half seven kickoff is Chelsea versus Crystal Palace. And then the quarter past eight kickoff uh, is Everton at home to Manchester City. Uh, if Everton do get a win on that, they'll go four points ahead of Luton in the relegations, uh, ahead of the relegation zone, uh, with Luton sat in 18th and Everton in 17th. And uh, Manchester City will stay within three points of Manchester United in sixth place. So I, you think, I, I, it's I, one of those I, where you think Man United are having such a horrible season as the pundits say, but we're only three points behind uh, treble champions Manchester City who have just clinched the Club World Cup last week. Mm, well, we talked about that last week, didn't we? And 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 you know, I, I t- tonight I expect I think Brentford will win. I think Chelsea Crystal Palace could be a draw, and uh, I expect City to beat Everton. I think you, you expect Brentford, them to, but at Goodison, you, you never know. It's a weird, it's, it's a weird point, it? But it, it's you know, but um, you know, weird. And of course, yesterday for United, the whole deal with um. Uh, Ratcliffe and all that got further announcements. There's still work to be done. There. Yeah, so, so on, Christmas Eve, on Christmas Eve, uh, Manchester United confirmed Sir Jim Ratcliffe's minority investment. The British billionaire purchased a minority stake in the club. Um, an even split of Class B and Class A shares, about £33.26 each, for an overall cost of £1.3 million for 25% of the club. Uh, this will t- see Radcliffe's Ineos take control of the football operations at United. Um, and then Ineos' CEO, Jean-Claude Blanc and Sir David Brailsford, the former British cycling uh, executive who is now Ineos' director, will join United's board. He was actually pre- present at the uh, home game last night against Aston Villa. Um, as reported in November, Ratcliffe will provide $300 million, so £245 million of his personal wealth for what a United statement says will be future investment at the club. Um it's one of those where he's a local lad. I don't know. I don't know what the ownership's going to say and what's going to happen with it. But the Man United interim CEO Patrick Stewart addressed the club staff on a video call shortly before Radcliffe's investment was announced on Christmas Eve. Obviously, it's a really good thing for Manchester United to have some investment in the club. Um, but whether it's going to change drastically in, immediately, I don't know. What the brand new transfer window holds, I don't know. But. It's a weird well, it's, time. It's, it's still got to. It's still got to get ratified. So we did. They don't officially. I think that's that's that you're looking at six to eight weeks for that. Isn't it I, I I would. I mean, he's he's put. Is it three hundred million uh, forward for stadium improvements? Stadium and training ground improvements. You think it's literally an initial investment more than the Glazers have invested in twenty yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, you know, it's 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 good news in a in a way. Um, 
you know, it's it's we've talked about this before. It's good news for the Glazers because it values the club around five billion, right? Yeah, I mean, that, it, once this deal goes through, they pocket overall from dividends and everything. They pocket one point three billion pound, yeah, which is so. which is ridiculous money. But Ratcliffe has confirmed that no uh, dividends will be taken out of the club for three uh, years. Three years, which is obviously a good yep. for Man United because it, uh, it means investment. No, 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 look, it does. I, I think, I think it's it's good news, and uh, um, I, I, you know, the fact that Brailsford was there, um, I, you know, even if the things getting ratified in the next, I don't know, three weeks, or whatever, you're not telling me that they will not be involved some way in what goes on in the January window. You know, yeah. I, but one thing I do want to pick up on is Edwin van der Sar and Robin van Persie were both present at the game last night. Robin, Edwin van der Sar is Ajax's CEO. Yeah. Are we going to see a move for Edwin van der Sar onto Manchester United's board with the likes of uh, Brailsford in attendance with Radcliffe coming in? Whether that's going to be something we see, who knows? But um, yeah, that's that's all for sort of ownership talk, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's good. Do you know what? I, I mean, we've we, <laughs> I, I'm but I'm still bouncing after last night, and it's yeah. not about beating Villa per se. It, it it first of all, I mean, Villa be going well, so beating them is is one thing. But it's the fact that they came back in the way they came back, and I would love to know what um that uh, Ten Hag actually said. You know, I'd love to know what did he give him a rollicking, or did he make it quite tactical? Was he you know was he balanced? I mean, I'd love to know what it was that I, I definitely think tactically he did something uh towards Leon Bailey on the wing for Aston Villa. He was getting very isolated one on one with Delone. We didn't see that at all in the second half. So every doubled up with um either Kobe Mainu or Ericsson in midfield on that, or whether he just told the defence to sort of keep a little bit of a higher line or a deeper line, I don't know. But it was a bit of a weird one. I think the, the rumours that the Ten Hag's lost the dressing room, I think no, he just hasn't. You can tell the players are playing for the manager. They're playing for the team. I think it's just a lack of cohesion on the players. Some of the players just aren't good enough. I think, again, below, I still think he's got the football and IQ of a tangerine. I think he's genuinely one of our worst players. I loved him when we played Sheffield United away and he scored, but there's he doesn't excel at anything, personally. There's no attribute he has that you think is supreme. Like, with Aram Saka, you know he's tackling. He's unbelievable. You look at Luke Shaw, his work rate and his attacking output is better. Um, he's got that versatility of slotting to the central defence. But with Delow, you just think he looks a bit like a loose cannon sometimes. Uh, the thing that annoys me in particular is at the start of every game, he goes and claps the fans and he acts like he's this sort of leader. But when you need a leader in the team, he goes quiet and you think, ooh. And the one other player that is annoying me at the minute is Bruno Fernandes. Not mm. from his football, but from his moaning. The referee again last night, he picked up another yellow card for dissent because he's just moaning at the referee when it was a foul. <laughs> and I'm thinking, Bruno, if you carry on, you're going to get a red card just like the did at Liverpool. He, he doesn't captain the side. He doesn't, you know, I... I he... He doesn't give that leadership. But the one thing I've got to say is Mystic Hat, Patrice Ever. I'll tell you what, the man called yeah. it last night. And uh, I, next time he does that, I might follow his lead and put a few quid down. But um, <laughs> that, that, uh, that, that's, that says something. You know, it just shows, though, you know, somebody who plays football has been in the game. He saw something there. And he knew that with a few tweaks, but he, he didn't give up on the team. I have to say, I was close to giving up the I team. Mean, even, even Amazon statistically gave up on the team. They gave at half-time Manchester United a 4% chance of winning the game. Um, what happens? We go and win the game. So mm. three ah. points. We obviously sit six in the table right now. 
Uh, Arsenal play like this week. That'll take them, obviously, if they win that, back to the top of the Premier League. So that's all for Premier League talk. That's all results talk. Is there anything else we need to get through, Rob? I don't think so. I think uh, we were just wanting to do a bit of a roundup of what what happened over... And, you know, you got to love... You love festive football, don't you? You yeah. love that, you know. They uh, can fast every two, three days. I'm sure the players hate it when they're getting told to go to training on a Christmas day. I know there's a video that went viral on Twitter of the Oldham players saying, what are we doing here after they got forced to train on Christmas Day, after losing on Christmas Eve? So, you know, I'm sure the players don't like it as much with the scheduling, but we definitely love it as fans because there's football every day at the moment, whether it's, even whether it's, I've got, I've got, I've got to be watching the City game tonight, tomorrow, I'll be watching Salford. So, you know, there's games every day. So, yeah. Bring it on, bring it on. Well, that's it from a, a little um, bonus um podcast of I mean, we, were, we weren't supposed to be doing one were we it's that time of year where you don't know what time you don't know what day it is but we thought let's oh, some football. I, I just i just had to talk about it i'm sorry i just had to talk about it it was great you know bonus christmas presents all here as well as my present from tom which is lovely and thank you very much for that i really i'm really chuffed with it and i got i got uh, a little thing as well from uh, one of the family so uh there you go um happy days happy christmas yeah, that's, that's all from the Thursday juice podcast a little bonus episode for you on the 27th of december we'll see you right here next time in the new year for a Hopefully, some more positive talk from uh, the Jackie Chancellor. Well, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Until.